Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to optimize your memory and give you better results in less time. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout. Now, uh, let's get started. Today, we have Paul Bodine from Admitify on the line with us. And Paul, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself and your company. Uh, thanks very much, Tyler, for having me today. Uh, Admitify is a boutique admissions consulting company based in Southern California. We work primarily with MBA applicants, but also graduate school applicants, uh, medical school applicants, and some college applicants. We help with every piece of the application puzzle from uh, deciding which schools to apply to, improving your profile, uh, developing your essays, getting good recommendation letters, uh, working on your resume, the data section, the application. We do everything except the test prep, which I recommend that you use GRE Snacks. And, um, <laughs> Very achievable, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um, yeah, you we saying. are... <laughs> So that's that's uh, who Admitify is. We we kind of pride ourselves on uh, a personalized, uh, story-driven, uh, get-to-know-the-applicant, focus on the unique uh, differentiators. That's what we do. That's our bread and butter. That's our strength. Fantastic. Yeah, and so today we're going to be talking about, with MBA admissions, uh, how to get into a top program, right? I feel like this is something you probably get asked by most people that walk in the door, <laughs> right? But um, yes. so, you know, I, I think maybe starting with like, what does it take to get into a top program is probably the first bit, right? Because unlike undergraduate, you know, it's not just test scores and maybe your GPA and extracurriculars, like your career and your um, the jobs you've had have a lot to do with it. And then the second part is, uh, you know, how, what, how do you, once you kind of, let's say you meet the criteria or whatever you would think that the criteria are, um, how do you build your application to get in? Uh, those are, those are great questions. I, I think that, uh, on, on sort of the most concrete level, uh, you need to have been thinking about a strong academic performance from, early on in your life, and that needs to be reflected in academic strength transcripts, obviously high where you went to high school and which colleges you got into and how you did in college, how did you challenge yourself academically in college, uh, are, are obviously of huge importance to the top schools. And uh, the top schools are going to have their pick of the people with the best uh, profiles in academically, They're the strongest mm-hmm. GPAs. So you're looking... 3.7, 3.8 uh, GPA, um, not necessarily at a great program, but typically uh, the, the the top programs are, the pedigreed programs are valued by the, the top business schools, which are, in case no one knows, Harvard and Stanford uh, also work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, the, the, G, the test score, um, the GRE, the GMAT, the executive assessment, whatever you use, um, that is another data point that speaks to potential for academic success, and it speaks to your analytical skills. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, top schools, you want 750, 760, as high as you can get. Um, at a certain level, the, the, the score will not be helping you, of course. It'll, it'll just be you sort of proving your point. I mean, the, the old threshold used to be 80th percentile. If you could get 80th percentile in the quant and the verbal 
uh, you were viable at a top school. Um, so that's that's what Harvard has called. Um, are you strong enough? Uh, Harvard's uh, previous admissions director, Dee Leopold, she framed it this way once. Uh, when we see a strong applicant, we ask, are they interesting enough? When we see an interesting applicant, we ask, are they strong enough? And the strong enough piece is the, uh, it's going to be the, the GPA, uh, the, the, the rigor of your academic major, uh, your test scores. Um, it's going to be the career progression. Are you growing in your career? Are you showing leadership? Mm-hmm. Are you in the top 10% of your peer group? Um, and, and, you know, that's going to be also branding is a factor. You know, if you have been consistently hired or admitted by organizations, schools that are highly selective, uh, that sends a very strong signal to the Harvard and the Stanford that you you've passed the test. You are right. You know, you're, you've met the criteria. But but the, that that strong enough piece is is not it's maybe half the battle. The, the, the interesting piece, you know, what else do you bring besides the, your beautiful resume um, <laughs> is huge. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, you mentioned just now um, talking about, you know, being at a selective company, right? But does that vary depending on what in- industry you're in or what can you do if maybe you're not at a selective company or even a selective undergrad? Are there other ways like is it I mean you mentioned like you know are are you demonstrating leadership in your job, right? Like maybe maybe if you demonstrate enough leadership in whatever job you're doing even if it's for like I don't know like a small regional like paper company or something, right? Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, how, well, like, give us if you could give some examples, that would be great. Absolutely. I I can give you an example. I I don't think that you need to have a degree from um, you know elite school. I've seen over and over again people who do not have degrees from elite schools get admitted uh, fairly consistently by Harvard and Stanford. Period. Full stop. Uh, they yes, there you will find the branded schools among their MBAs, but. Um, it is certainly not a an ab- absolute requirement. Um, so I think that um, the the um, key part I think is the being able to show how you challenged yourself and how you excelled in whatever school and organization you joined. And you made a great point that you don't need to join uh, GM or Microsoft in order to to be admitted. If you join a small company, even a family business. Uh, you're going to have potentially more opportunity to, to lead um, mm-hmm. because it's smaller um, and you can shine. You can compensate in that smaller organization for the fact that it's not Apple. Um, and I've seen mm-hmm. over and over again people do that. And I actually I've seen people from family businesses. Uh, the schools tend to like them um, uh, for various reasons. But one of them is that they have been given strong responsibility early on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the key thing is demonstrated excellence. So this is the comparative performance relative to peers. You've got to be whatever organization that you're in or whatever school you're in, you better be aiming for top 10%, top 20% in whatever metrics you can think of, um, academically or promotions or, uh, you know, performance reviews. Um, and then the other piece is, uh, leadership. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to show 
growth as a leader. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that they like family businesses or people from family businesses because I I mean I think the perception can be that sometimes people from family businesses get the leadership kind of prematurely because they're in the family. But do you feel like it's sort of it's actually that's flipped on its head that it's more like you know they're more likely to be a leader in the future or what is it that makes the schools more interested in them? I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think it is partially because um, if you, if they know that you're returning to a family business, they know that uh, there is going to be leadership uh, ahead, and that's what they want. They want their their graduates to succeed. So mm-hmm. I think that is part of the attraction of the family business is the uh, relatively guaranteed uh, uh, professional success. But I think you're right that uh, yes, there is some skepticism toward a family business applicant. But you have to address that skepticism in the application, and a recommender is a great way to do that. You know uh, that this applicant was was frankly hired because he's the son, but uh, but he proved himself or she proved herself. Uh, that can mm-hmm. be a huge. Um, that should be job number one is is demonstrating that um, that you were able to prove your your own worth. And um, again, I think the schools. They they're more interested in the what than they are in the why. I think they're mm-hmm. they, if you have demonstrated significant leadership and you can make that concrete and believable, then the fact that it was maybe handed to you uh, initially matters less. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. And I feel like um, I mean, in general, we're we're focusing a lot on kind of like the the pieces of the application that. Um, are a little bit intangible, but are there tangible things about that can also help your application, right? Like, are there, for, you know, in, in undergraduate, you're applying, you've kind of got your GPA, um, your, your extracurriculars, and maybe like your APs, and then maybe you've done some internships. Now it's a lot more like, you know, the focus is on your work experience. You, your grades are still there. Um, and then, you know, extracurriculars kind of don't exist anymore not in the same way but there are things that are like that right like and so what when you're thinking about you know whether it's volunteering for a nonprofit or serving on a committee at your work or something like that like what are some examples of those things and then what should you be aiming to do to kind of make sure it's cohesive with uh the rest of your application story uh it's a great question i think that the the things I see a lot of, and I would say increasingly among successful applicants, are the ability to directly address the diversity and inclusion question, uh, mm-hmm. or diversity, equity, and inclusion question, which I think is of, of increasing importance uh, to the business schools. And uh, in other words, if, even if you're not a minority applicant, but you have have been an ally, as they say, of, of minority uh, employees, uh, you, you are actually helping yourself. And I, the examples that I'm thinking of recently are people who, uh, within their corporate world, they were able to, uh, for example, get like a diversity council started within their, like, for example, someone who works at a consultancy. Um, mm-hmm. And within their practice area, they, they stood up a, a diversity initiative that had X number of members, and then it was approved by management, and then it was rolled out across the firm. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. nationally. Um, so that that then you have the scale. So um, I think I think scale is important um, 
you know, how much leadership you have. Well, if you've led 15 people as opposed to five, that that makes a difference. So um, if the if the extracurricular or the social impact activity that you started had national scale, then you've helped yourself more than if you just have a small volunteer group of three people. Mm-hmm. So um, I would look for, I think, I, I think that they are looking for, for leadership, concrete leadership. And, and that means how many people have you led, frankly, how many aspects of your life have you demonstrated that leadership in? Is it is it a trait, as Harvard says? Is is it a habit of leadership, or did you just do it in the past six months? Uh, so you want to be able to show that leadership um, across your life, and um, and frankly, it, it can be a question of numbers. You know, how many if you've led large teams, or you're now you know a director, or a vice president, or a manager, uh, that speaks very loudly, and that's a very concrete um, data point to the schools. Mm, right. And I feel also like um, the other sort of thread I'm hearing is that you, you know, had an idea, you took initiative on it, and then you did something with it, and then it had a big impact, right? Would you say that that's also, I mean, if you have something like that, then it's probably so, so key to highlight that it might even want to be like part of your essay or something like that? Absolutely. I think um, the entrepreneurship, demonstrated entrepreneurship is relatively rare. Most people don't actually start things from scratch. So anyone who's done that um, should highlight that. I mean, obviously, entrepreneurship is leadership, but starting from thing, leading from scratch, creating something that didn't exist uh, is, is, a ki- is a special type of leadership that the schools absolutely love. And and they love innovation. Um, so uh, anytime you're creating something new or it's a new process at work, um, that is innovation, that's entrepreneurship, and you should be highlighting it. Um, and I, I have, uh, I, whenever I see that in an applicant, I, I try to get them to talk about it. You know, there are people who have actually started uh, businesses uh, before mm-hmm. applying to business school. And obviously that's a huge, even if it fails, um, it's a mark of uh, of their ability and of their, of their ambition, their ability to take risk. Um, and uh, so, I think it's something that needs to be highlighted. Great. And then, um, as far as I mean, I think that we've done a good job of covering kind of like the experience and the story and things like that. Um, and I'm curious if there's kind of anything else that you think is just like things that top programs are going to be looking for. Um, I mean, obviously good test scores, right? I think at this point, you probably want to at least be on the average of what the school gets according to the U.S. News report, right? Um, yeah, anything definitely. anything else definitely. on that front? or? No, I think the, 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 the test scores, they are what they are. And um um, you know, I think I, you know, this is GRE snacks. So, uh, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, the GRE was not, was not as, uh, valuable, a data point for the business schools, but it is now it's, I think it's achieved parity as, as a, as a, uh, you know, criteria for showing analytical skill and, and verbal skill. So, um, and the reason that the schools embraced it was because they wanted to get more non-traditional applicants. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's done that, and now it now it's um, it's earned its keep. But um, 
I think the the biggest thing that I think they they look for is that um, I, I call it wow factor or a special sauce, you know, secret sauce. It's it's the the thing that makes your story uh, unique. And and um, they don't want to just just admit private equity people and consultants and and uh, tech engineers. They want people who've done different things, um, mm-hmm. and that can be so so many different things. So I think that's huge. I, I to me, it's as as important as demonstrated leadership, as important as test scores and GPA is. Do you have a story that um, that's unusual? Right. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that that's like a, a really good way of framing it. And when you say a story that's unusual. Um, and you're thinking about, you know, essentially like you're, when you're trying to go for the top schools, they see a lot of really good qualified people. Right. Um, so then like, how do you, how do you kind of emphasize your unusualness? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that, you know, like there are definitely people with unusual stories or that have interesting stories, but maybe not everybody does, or maybe it's a little harder to tease out. So how do you get people kind of to do that it's it can be hard i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it there are some profiles that are uh you know less obviously diverse with a capital d than others what do you Mm -hmm. do with those people what you do you drill down you you spend more time on the brainstorming you try to find out what makes them tick what drives them um uh you know i i could give you an example of an applicant i had who was uh, uh, you know, sort of a middle class um, Canadian um, uh, Caucasian uh, engineer. You know, very typical was in consulting. Um, so <laughs> on the surface, might not seem like a, a terribly uh, unique person, but as we we sort of dug into his story, we learned that he was actually uh, Latter Day Saints, um, mm-hmm. a Mormon member of the Mormon Church, and he had been positioned in a foreign country for two years. Um, right, and that as they do experience. That ex- yeah, as they do, and that experience was uh, kind of defining for him, and he he gained fluency in a very very difficult language uh, on top of living in the foreign country and leading a, a group of LDS uh, missionaries, you know, which is leadership. Mm-hmm. So that was a big differentiator. Uh, then it turned out that he had a um, a child um, who was uh, had a a, a dis- disability, and mm-hmm. um, so that was a life challenge. So I mean. Typically, if you drill down deep enough, you find that people have had challenges, and um, mm-hmm. those that that can be the thing that that turns into a, a an excellent story. Right, and it doesn't have to be work related necessarily to still be a key part of your story and your character, right? Absolutely, I would say in in most cases, I would steer applicants away from telling work stories, to be honest, in their MBA essays. Um, that may sound counterintuitive, but, you know, your your resume and your recommendation letters um, are going to be addressing your professional accomplishments to a large extent. And the essays may be the only place where you're able to give some flavor about uh, who you are um, and, you know, what, what you've been through in life. Uh, so I would tend to steer away from professional examples, unless they're really, really Amazing. You know, you mm-hmm. started a company and you sold it or, uh, you know, obviously that would be uh, something you'd want to share. But uh, 
usually if you're like an analyst or a consultant, your examples are going to be fairly typical compared to other applicants. So you might want to focus on the uh, what I call the personal backstory. Got it. I, you know, and so, I mean, just to be a little bit more clear about that, uh, I mentioned challenge. Uh, I might mention looking for the ways in which you've changed as a person over your life. In other words, uh, what are, has have the things that you value in life have they evolved over time and why? What 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 caused them to change? Mm-hmm. And uh, it could be it could be a health issue. It could be you discovered a passion that you care a lot about. It could be that you lived overseas. It could be uh, a very typical one I see is people from traditional families that. Those families have expectations about what success are or what are what the right career is, and there's a lot of pressure on those applicants to conform to those expectations. So, if they have broken away from those expectations at some point in their life, mm-hmm. even by failing, you know they didn't make it into medical school, so they failed. You know they, that means they can't apply to business school, right? No. What did they do after that failure? So that you can look for those kind of pivot points in people's lives when their priorities changed uh, and usually or often that's going to be around a challenge uh, experience. Great. Yeah. I think that's all really interesting. And I'm wondering if just you, um, as we kind of wrap this up, if you have any sort of parting thoughts on, on this for people that are applying to the, the tippy top of business schools. Yeah. I think that there's a mentality that says, if I'm applying to Stanford or Harvard or Wharton, I need to find out what other people have done because I need to do what they did. Um, and that's actually the reverse of, of the case. You need mm. to kind of embrace your own uh, unusualness and actually run with it. Um, and hopefully you've given yourself a couple of years before you're applying to actually embrace something unique. Um, so I would say, you know, it can be a hobby. It can be uh, a place where you lived. It can be um, a, a lot of different things. It could be, you know, your spirituality. Uh, just kind of embrace it and try to dig into it. Try to uh, take it further. And what does that mean? Uh, that means you don't want a story that's just an internal story of your own evolution. Mm-hmm. You want a story that shows you uh, kind of taking it to the world. In other words, pivoting from like an internal interest or passion into something that makes the world a better place. So there's some kind of demonstrated leadership. Uh, That's where things start to get interesting. Right. Great. Thank you so much. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Paul Bodine from Admitify. And Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free by going to achievable.me and use the code podcast if you like it and want to save 10% at checkout.